It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Arsenal, Spurs, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Manchester United, Swansea, Stoke. That's your top ten in the Premier League this week. That's what it looks like. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Utter nonsense. It's most definitely, definitely, definitely already taken shape. Those ten sides, it wouldn't surprise you if they were the ten sides that finished in those positions at the end of the season. We were saying this last week, weren't we, Dave? But it's the, the extent to which this league is deciding to nail itself on, nail its colours to the mast after only five games is ridiculous. All the cliches have got to be cast aside. That is a league table. Yeah, it is. And we've, we've seen a managerial casualty this week as well. It's all fallen into place, isn't it? And immediately when I turn to the, the back page and look at the league table, Liverpool 5th, Everton 6th, I'm thinking it wouldn't surprise me in May if that's what we're seeing. Well, th- th- there's that aspect to it. But just to go all the way on about this, I I, I love the um, when you people go, and I don't look at the league table till 8 games, don't look at the league table meetings till 10 games, don't look at the league table till 12 games. Well, ultimately, you should be looking at the league table now because they're all three pointers and they all add up by the end of the season to what you do or don't get. And that league table right now, as I say, I'm not in that order. Don't think it will be that order, though I think that it could well be that Liverpool and Everton do finish fifth and sixth. That wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. But it would, then the question would be, who finishes seventh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a bit saucy. Um, That's but, about as exciting as it gets, though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yes and no, because already... Uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about Liverpool's game against Southampton. We'll talk about Everton's fantastic three-two victory against uh, West West Ham United. Uh, we'll talk about all the other football stuff coming up. But already, the frustration for me off the back of the result we got at the weekend against Southampton, who by the way are a good side. Um, the frustration uh, from my perspective was it was an opportunity to be five clear of Manchester United. In fact, it's, yes, sorry to be to be six clear of Manchester United, which even at this stage of the season would have felt like it had a degree of significance about it. Not to say that that would meant that Liverpool would obviously have finished ahead of Manchester United and that they will or they won't now but that in a season where it looks as though there's a lot of sides in that top 6-7 who can take points off each other that's already a gap of some significance and now Arsenal must be looking at it they're five points clear of Manchester United already Spurs are five points clear of Manchester United and if Liverpool or Everton are going to get into the top four I think Liverpool would have felt that they were more likely to this season given it's Martinez's first season for Everton but if they're going to get into the top four this season then they must have thought they will probably have to come ahead of one of if not two of Arsenal Arsenal and Spurs Dave so the you know this sort of stuff it's easy to, to pass it off but it matters. It does matter, and and it's similarly with Everton as well. You look at the three games we've drawn; they were all against sides that you've got to be beaten if you're looking at a top four finish. And I said exactly the same last season when we come to I think it was the end of October, early November when we were getting all kinds of draws against, let's face it, mediocre opposition. I'm, I am going to offend other teams by saying that I know I am, but um, getting those sort of results against the likes of Norwich, West Brom, at home particularly as well, mm. Cardiff away. They're, they're two points oh. dropped immediately, and you've got to go and win against the Chelsea, which we which, which have done, and you know another side now in in who we wouldn't normally be expected to beat. That's what you've got to do. You're playing catch up almost immediately. This is what United are facing with now as well. Well, yeah, United. The, the thing that's in United's favour is United have now played uh, Chelsea at home and Liverpool and Manchester City away. It took one, one out of the nine, <clears throat> and but they've only took one out of the nine. But they've at least got those games out the way, and they're yeah. sitting on seven points. The, the other side of that is you look at Swansea for. Instance and Swansea are now sitting on seven points as well. And Swansea have played Liverpool, Manchester United, and Tottenham Hotspur already. They, those those points are in 
the bag. Whereas Liverpool and Everton so far have played at a Stoke side that may well finish top half. Uh, Aston Villa, again, could finish top half for Liverpool. Uh, Swansea, as discussed, who are a half decent side, but they've also played Manchester United and got beat by Southampton. You know, it's not. That's not as straightforward as it might have looked on paper before the ball was kicked. I think Liverpool's fixtures now become easier uh, for the next few weeks. They've now got those. Any one of those sides I've mentioned so far, it wouldn't surprise you if they did finish top half. Um, and obviously Manchester United will finish top half and will finish top four. But that's still tough. As you say, Everton, but they've got Chelsea out the way. They've, they've got that Chelsea game done as well. Um, and Everton have got the points that they've got, which currently which is nine and remain unbeaten, which counts for something. I think it always counts for something. Yeah, it, it, it well, it certainly does as far as the stupid way the term bragging rights is concerned. But aside from that, I think, you know, to, to be unbeaten after the, the five games we've had, you probably would have expected at least one defeat in there, I think, with a new manager at the helm as well. Uh, having said that, it's the old cliche that, and it's always troubled Everton in recent times. There's, there's been too many draws. Well, You'd rather have, you know, won three, drawn one, lost one, than drawn three and won two. Yes, yes, yes. But also knowing that it's nice, it's nice to have that sense of Liverpool. One of the things that was quite dismaying watching Liverpool capitulate pathetically against Southampton was uh, the fact that it was a 12-match, 13-match unbeaten run that was going yeah. and was going in such a dismal manner. Really, uh, that was one of the things that was, you know, you're just thinking, well, this this, this lot, I've, I've develop the knack of not losing it would be nice to see some of that knack <laughs> <laughs> um, where's the knack gone boys yeah. uh, you know there was there was an element to that but I think it's nice to, to, to not lose I think it's important but the thing I'd say is the victory for Everton at the weekend I think is really really significant because it's indicative of a manager who has decided he can also get results very, very quickly in the decisions he's made. West Ham would have been a very easy place for Everton to turn up, get beat 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, uh, and go and, and and find themselves, you know, very much on the back foot in, in the football match. And then, you know, the table does look slightly more disappointing. They're sitting there on six points and not nine. Um, they're not sitting up in, in sixth place yet. They didn't do that. Yes, there's the fantastic free kicks, but there's the all-round second-half performance and there's the power of Lukaku. You know, it's Everton look like a side now who can really put 11 excellent individuals on the football pitch Dave they do um, there's, I mean I was only reading on Twitter when the game kicked off you know the players who we had out that wouldn't even get in the 18 necessarily, necessarily you still had Gibson you still had Pienaar on the sidelines um, who, who's fit for the Fulham game tomorrow night I believe uh, you know it, 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 there are 18 solid lads there now and you know, it's interesting that everything gets measured against David Moyes, but I, I think that's fascinating in a way. It, it becomes quite tedious because you're constantly referring back to an, an ex-manager and it can be perceived as being quite bitter. But it's interesting as a, as a backdrop, for instance, for that game against West Ham. I don't think we'd have seen those changes at half-time under David Moyes, even if he'd had that personnel available to him. No, no, I mean, those those changes are bold changes. A double substitution at half-time is very, very bold. It suggests, it suggests in part, the manager feels that we maybe didn't get it as, as right as he'd like. It's, it's also ruthless, I, I think, as well. Uh, you know, Jelovic and Naismith, the heroes of the week before, there's no sentiment involved whatsoever. It was, lads, you've done nothing, you're off. Was Osman a knock? Yeah, Osman's injured, yeah. I thought it was a knock, yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't see the game. I was, I was at our game at the time. Uh, so Os Osman's was a knock. I think that the thing that McCarthy brings, I haven't seen the highlights, before we talk about Lukaku and how good Lukaku is, you could see, as I say, I say this from, just from the highlights and conversations I've had with Evertonians, um, he, he's, he was instrumental in linking it up. Like, he was he was helping Everton play in a manner which it, I think we've almost forgotten in terms of midfield play. That's now what, what midfielders do. They get the ball and they just link it up all over the pitch. He was instrumental in that. I thought. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's often, 
it's, it's, it's a myth now, isn't it? About midfielders these days, you need the one or the other. The, the simple ideology behind the midfielder originally is to link play up between the defence and, and attack. Mm. And I think he did that quite well when he came on. Um, I still think he looked quite raw around the edges. Which is it, it's surprising, to be honest, because he's used to that system with Martinez. But obviously he's got different personnel around him. It will take him time to settle. But I think long term, why certainly with Osman getting injured now as well, you'd like I think I'd like to think him see him as a long term uh, starter now in the in the side. And I think you give him games alongside Gibson and or Barry. I think he'll really thrive in that position. And with Barkley ahead, absolutely Barkley again. I mean, he, <laughs> it was one of his quieter games, but he still got the two assists for Baines' free kick. You know, he's, he looked for the first time. It looked like defenders were were afraid of Barkley. Uh, James Collins, who's a very experienced centre half, uh, I've always quite liked him in throughout his career as well. I thought he's no nonsense centre half, one that you'd want alongside any young central defender. Mm. And yet he made a lot of um, schoolboy errors against Ross Barkley. He was diving in, he, he didn't jockey him whatsoever for the, the free kick, the, the second free kick that he gave away. Um, so it was it was interesting to see how other teams were dealing with Ross Barkley. And lest we forget, Big Sam, uh, is, you know nobody's favourite manager, is he? But um, you know, he's obviously sent a message out to his centre half that look, you need to stand off this lad because he's 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 got the ability. So if you're looking at an experienced Premier League manager who's doing that, then it, it bodes well. They were rattled though by Lukaku, I think. I think that was the big thing that I saw yeah. that, that Lukaku rattled them, and that's not in a in a, an old-fashioned sense of he got amongst them and and shook them up physically. Though he can obviously do that. It was more what 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 impressed me uh, was the quality of his movements and the touch. It was such a short touch. You know, there's diagonal balls. There was the, you know there was cleverness. There was reverse passing it was much more than just uh, you know going and winning some battles sticking your elbows out and see what happens he actually had them rattled because they didn't want him to have the ball at his feet mm. and I think that's fascinating when you've got a lad who's 6'3", 6'4", and you know is clearly physically strong so strong and yet the biggest concern isn't what happens if we whip the ball in. If, sorry, if they whip the ball in. The biggest concern is what if they start to be able to play into him along the deck. We can't cope with this. And I thought that that was that's fascinating. That that's exa- immediately how Martinez has chosen to use him. Well, it's 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 difficult as a centre half. I mean, it's that oh, Gary Caldwell syndrome we were talking about last season. Do you go with a player or do you stand off him? Yeah, he's one of them who gives you that dilemma because you look at it. His goal came from him dropping short, picking up the ball, yeah, uh, on, on that right hand side, laying it off and just bursting into the box as fast as he could. You know, that's mayhem for the centre half. It's mayhem for a fullback to this day. Do they leave him? To, you know, it's it's an impossible situation when you've got a player who's as good as he is. But going back to what you were saying about him holding up his touch, it, it looked. It looked for the very, very first time, and certainly since I can remember, certainly since Duncan Ferguson was in his pomp, and that was by no means a consistency thing. Um, it looked for the first time we've got a top, top class striker we can play to. Well, this is the thing; it's completely different to Jelovic, really, in that Jelovic uh, went through a, a fantastic purple patch uh, with Everton mm. and could still go through one again with Everton or with another club. You know, let's be quite clear: <coughs> that he's clearly a man who can who can finish, but he. It, his play outside the box wasn't was no strength, and that was fine because it, when you play when you play outside the box, there's no strength. But you're repeatedly putting the ball in the back of the net. People forgive that. But what Lukaku showed there was he showed what we ask now of centre forwards because we ask so much of centre forwards. Yeah. I think now, and you know they've got to do so much. You know, he's, he, he, but he, he demonstrated that he's he's open for that sort of thing. He wants to run games. Yeah, there's an irony to it as well, to be honest, because he's he's a perfect Moyes striker, as in he will do the lot for you, and that's what Moyes is always asked of his strikers if they're not scoring goals. He's a perfect. <laughs> 
Jorginho striker. And yeah. this is the, this, that's the real yeah. irony is that you know you're looking at Chelsea just lumbering the way through football matches at the minute and not making much sense to the people who are watching mm. them play. Uh, despite the fact that you know they're sitting there, they pick themselves up 10, ten points and they'll do well this season. Chelsea, the manager's too good and they've got too many good players, but they've not got a single centre forward who can do what Mourinho wants his centre forwards to do, apart from the laddies they've sent to Everton. Yeah, that's right. And you know you look at you compare him to Jelovic. Jelovic, you know, runs his socks off. He really does try hard. And it was an accusation labelled that Moyes over strikers that he brought to the club in the past. Alexi Kubu, Sahar, uh, Andy Johnson was getting him to operate outside the box, mm. which is obviously detrimental to their goal scoring tally. I think you know if you if you're looking at someone similar, I think Soldado could possibly suffer that at Spurs. Albeit he has got the personnel around him to supply supply him with goals, scoring chances. Yelovich not not so much in recent seasons because we didn't play to his strengths. As in, when he first came, those first fifteen to twenty games, uh, every every one of his goals was was his first touch. You know, mm. it's getting laid on a play for him. That's great. When that doesn't happen, and you're a striker like he is, who's an instinctive finisher. Yeah. That's when you come across problems, and then asking him to do the job of coming, dropping into the channels, and and running running channels all the time. That that is not his game. So I feel sorry for him a little bit from that point of view. But he's just got a far superior beast uh, waiting in the wings, and he, he come on and delivered. Well, the interesting thing is, last season he scored. He made a lot of his appearances. He, he averaged one and two last season, but a lot of his appearances were off the bench. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder whether or not that'll continue. I wonder if that was just part of his age, his development. But now you would think he's going to become increasingly ready to start for Everton. Um, but the other thing we haven't talked about is the uh, the fantastic free kicks it's yeah. it's a startling startling st- set piece ability that Baines has got he's, he's now I'd say the best free kick taker in the country I don't think there can be any m- many pretenders to that, mm. that that throne really who can be taken seriously he's uh, again the idea of running games and this is the big I think that this is the big thing at the minute that Martinez is Everton have got going for them and it's, it's, it's partially bequeathed to him by David Moyes but it's this goes back to you know if we, if we want to have the Moyes comparison I never felt that. I th- I always felt that David Moyes' Everton was at its best interested in dominating games. I never felt it was interested in, in running games. If you sort of see the difference between the two of them, it wanted to win its battles all over the pitch, but it didn't want to then have control. There was like, no possession in d- defensive possession. Wasn't yeah, it? there was no desire for that sort of. And this is because I said this about you know Everton were brilliant in transition under David Moyes. Brilliant, you know. I, I said last season the third best side in the country behind United and Chelsea in transition when the ball is, sh- is swift and switching sides quickly at Everton. They were th- that's how good they are and they're both both pre- preventing themselves from being counter attacked and creating a counter attack. They were phenomenally good, but they never ever even in games that they won and won well, for instance Swansea away and things like that. They never were a side that would try to control the football match mm. as it happens in front of them but Everton now have got players who are interested in doing that you've got Barry you've got McCarthy you've got Lukaku you've got and this is the big thing you've actually got two fullbacks who are actively interested in controlling football matches Coleman isn't anywhere near as capable as Baines at the moment but Baines can run a game from left back and that's you know that's a phenomenal ability that's something you don't see very often you used to see Steve Finn run games from right back from Liverpool Fabio Aurelio used to do that but it's something that you need the right blend of manager and player for and I thought that from what I saw of the game because I didn't see all 90 minutes as I'm saying but it looked to me like Baines ran it yeah, it, it, it's it's quite ridiculous at times, and um, you know a lot of discussion over the summer was uh, is how much is he worth in comparison to Fellaini. I mean, we were talking about twenty five. What, what do you eventually went for? Twenty seven million, something like that. And um, a lot of people were making the point saying, "Well, Leighton Payne is worth more than this lad." And I think it was actually Sean Rogers, one of your con- contributors on the Anfield Rap, who said, "Full backs don't have that kind of stock because they're generally not worth that much." 
But the, obviously the counter argument to that. But when is, you get a, what he went on to say was yeah, when you get a that's, great that's one. That's what he was saying. Yeah, when you, when you get a great one, then you know you, you're looking at his values far far exceeds the average left back, and it far exceeds the average player. It's it's a very very it's a unique position. Um, it was interesting what Carragher said, wasn't it? Um, that everyone's been banging on about with with Gary Neville. He said no one wants to be a fullback. Mm. They're just either failed wingers or failed centre halves. But you look at Leighton Baines and you think, no, this lad is. The complete fullback. Yeah, he's he's the exception to the well, rule. It was interesting that Carragher said that before uh, before that Swansea game. It's interesting that that whole discussion is fascinating from a Liverpool perspective. We'll talk, touch on that after the break, uh, but specifically the issues you've got around not having footballers in wide areas, and this is the big thing now. I think that the idea that the the they can be centred off, shunted out wide, as Brendan Rodgers decided to try to do against Southampton, is fascinating, uh, and it's also flawed. Uh, we're going to talk about why after the break. It's Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey. It's all in the game. Uh, don't go anywhere because what else are you going to do? It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9 So you've got this problem and this problem's moving the ball up the pitch and you've got this problem it comes to play against Swansea and this is the problem you've got, you can't get the ball up the pitch you've got other problems, you've got problems um, goalkeeper's distribution's not great uh, you've got this other problem which is that your two centimetres appear to only be able to run for 55 minutes uh, you've got these other problems which is the person who's going to link you from uh, from midfield into attack, uh, the man who's been doing that got injured uh, so you've got to try and answer that question so the problems come down to ultimately what's happening in the back six the fact that you've got question marks over your ability to move the ball up the pitch and play out from the back uh, you've got question marks over your goalkeeper's ability to retain possession and you've got question marks over what your sentiments can do for you throughout the entirety of a game and you don't want to create the space they have to play in as, as being too big so why do you put your best two centre-backs in the full-back position neither of whom are particularly comfortable as footballers though Torrey did do actually pretty well I felt at right back uh, mainly through force of will than anything else yeah. um, why have you done that why have you then dropped deeper than you've dropped all season why have you then spent the entire game playing it around and putting your goal, your own goalkeeper under pressure and why have you done that against a side that's the best pressing side in the league arguably other than perhaps Tottenham Hotspur or Manchester City the Manchester City we saw against Manchester United yesterday you know this is the the quality of Southampton's press but it shouldn't come as a surprise because you went there last season and they beat, they beat you 3-1 by doing this by going right up here and going lads we're not going to let you play your way out it's a big big problem and I understand that the manager was slightly hamstrung by uh, issues around injuries even taking the Enrique thing of face value but there's an argument therefore that you've got to find ways to play football around this and that's the cons- the, the, the issue around Liverpool versus Southampton and it, it is a fullback issue I think in the, it, partially I thought it was the case against Swansea the issue is uh, that of essentially lots of what had been quietly going a little bit wrong went loudly very wrong uh, for Liverpool and it gives them some problems to solve really and it gives them you know it opens up a whole variety of issues so you know we can deal with these one at a time but I, I don't even know where you start in that mm. there's things that through force of will through desire through sense through so much intelligence you can work out through a, on a football pitch but you can't work out every week mm. and I think that thus, thus far Liverpool have been achieving that through the through character of people like Torre, Gerard, Lucas Mignolet you know because of their character and their ability they've been They've been they've been getting through this stuff, and that's arguably as important as anything else, if not more important. But the point is now is that Liverpool, you know, they've got to find these solutions because if you're going to win the league, you can afford to lose five games. Maybe this season you can afford to lose seven. My contention now is, and we've talked about this league table, is Arsenal think they can win the league, Spurs think they can win the league, City think they can win the league. <coughs> Chelsea think they can win the league and Manchester United surely as reigning champions should 
feel like they can win the league, mm-hmm. despite the results against Manchester City. All of those sides should have one eye on first, and not all of them are going to make the top four. So if you're going to make the top four, you've got to feel at some point as though you can make the top one. And as big-booted as that can sound, and I know there's Evertonians listening who'll be doing all the Evertonian laughing thing that the Evertonians like to do, but the reality of it is that without feeling as though you're going to... This season, I think, without having periods of time where you feel as though top one is possible, then it's very poss- It's very likely that top four isn't. So this needs to get solved for Liverpool, and it needs to get solved quickly. And there are definite questions in there, Dave. You know, There's definite issues around two or three of those players. There's definite questions about the fitness levels of these players. So it's... It's tough now for Brendan Rodgers. Not be, Liverpool are not in crisis because Liverpool will still get more points than they got last season. Mm. Regardless, Liverpool are going to get more than 61 points. The question's more, what if it takes 76 points to come forth? Yeah. And that's the issue, because if it takes 76 points to come forth and Liverpool get 69, then you're going to be looking at games like this one, but also ones that are on the horizon, and, and think if they didn't nail those ones, if they didn't have those runs, then they're not going to get those positions. Yeah, going back to what you said about the, the point where you've got to have an eye on first, then it, it, all jokes aside, because you, you get a lot, from both sides, you see a lot of people you know, laughing and pointing the finger when, when managers come out with these things. I mean, it was labelled a Martinez when Ken Wright said the first day came in, you know, Martinez said he can deliver Champions League. Uh, personally, I, I like to hear that sort of thing. Of course. When when Brendan Rodgers says it in a press conference, Liverpool. Well, last season he said, um, we're targeting the top two. Well, why shouldn't you target the top two? Well, it's absolutely ridiculous to think that you wouldn't, you know, try and exceed expectations. That was the whole problem I had with Moyes, and a lot of fans had with Moyes, where his expectation was always reined in. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you, you have got to have those goals, and, and uh, you know, anyone who, who, who laughs in, in a serious manner at it is, is utterly ridiculous because you've got no ambition whatsoever otherwise but you know starting to dissect what went on on Saturday for Liverpool I, I covered the game in here um, and I, I was thinking what well, you know what other options has, has Rodgers got because he's playing four centre-halves two a full-back um, one that ex- immediately sprung to mind and I think it's one you get on board with is putting Henderson uh, right back I think that Henderson right back was a shout but then he, it opens up the issue with the fact there's not enough energy in midfield Yeah, with with uh, Gerard and Lucas so you're exposing you're, you're weakening that but, but at the minute and Rob Gutman said it on the Anfield wrap and it might somewhat overstate it but at the minute I'm mildly concerned that Henderson's sort of job is sticking plaster that's like his role in the team. Um, Henderson will go and fix something, which is indicative of how far he's come as a footballer. You mean he's, an, he's a makeshift sort of? He's a makeshift in a everything. Yeah. He's a makeshift everything at the moment. He's he's, he's having to go and, and and fight fires. Every game he plays, part of his role anyway. And, and every every good side's got one. It's the lad who does the running, who puts the work in. Whereas he might be a better player than that. Frankly, he might deserve a bit more of an opportunity than that. Um, but you know, there was an option there yesterday to have started. I, the, the side that I, I mooted if Enrique was fit was um, was, was Henderson right back. Henry. UK left back, Torre and Sarko, Gerard Lucas and um, and uh, Alberto, and then play a, fr- a proper front three and just get the you know just everyone just holds the position really, but push up and push out. I think that could have worked for Liverpool, but it's you know that that's all moot. You know the manager's got to deal in in realities and he's got to deal in tough decisions. It's you know it's not as simple. You, you lose a twelve match unbeaten run, you can't start saying the manager doesn't know what he's doing because he's just pulled out a twelve match unbeaten run. Yeah. You, you look daft. Um, the key part, though, is the concerning part is that there's got to be attempted solutions to problems, and that's my thing. My thing isn't why didn't he go with the solution I would have gone with. I'm always right. The manager's always wrong. It's yeah. more there was a problem, and there was no solution. So I don't understand how playing. The, the other thing is this: you play four centre backs across your back line. The one thing I expect to be is solider 
is more solid. Sorry, to be used the correct <laughs> use of English yeah. language is, 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 is greater solidity. I expect to see greater solidity. I expect it at the expense of attacking football. Um, what Liverpool got was they were much poorer in attack and they were much poorer in defence. And that's, you know, that when your solutions or when, when your variants are weakening you, that's when you're in trouble. Mm. And I think that this is, it's not straightforward for Liverpool at this point, partially because of the summer recruitment, though not entirely because of that, and not even due to the money that's been lashed around either. It's not as though Liverpool needed... Liverpool weren't crying out for three thirty million pound players against Southampton. They were crying out for energy in midfield. Yeah. There's energy in midfield knocking around this league all over the place. There's energy in midfield that people are bringing in for not much money. Um, you know, they were crying out not for and not not for someone who kicks people up in the air, just for there to be energy in midfield. And again, that could be Henderson, which means you could move Henderson around and drop Henderson in there. But ultimately, since Lucas Leiva's come back to full fitness, Lucas Leiva plays. Uh, under Brendan Rodgers, Steven Gerrard plays. And when I say they play, I mean they play 90 minutes. You know, Gerrard has been subbed once by Brendan Rodgers. Lave has been subbed two or three times when he was first coming back from his injury, but not recently. He was rotated out for the Notts County game. It'll be interesting to see if he starts against Manchester United. Um, Liverpool in the summer were linked with no central midfielders of note, really. No point it just, did it seem like Liverpool were about to buy a centre mid, which means that the manager must be pretty happy with his options in there, and it's decided he's happy with his options in there, because he's basically playing Steve Gerrard and Lucas Lave every week. Yeah. And they're struggling. Now, you can look at it one of two ways, and Steve Graves sent me a text today, uh, which was something to the words to the effect of, um, I've decided the issue around Gerard and Lucas is that they're struggling for match fitness because the alternative is too terrifying to contemplate. And that's, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, uh, that's the hope, is that these <laughs> lads need to get sharper. But 55-60 comes, Lucas was great for half an hour, and then 55-60 comes, and he's, he's finished. Uh, Gerard's walking. You know, he's walking around the pitch. Yeah. Stephen Gerrard and he's walking around the pitch looking shattered. Does he? And the thing is, Stephen loves the idea that Stephen's a centre mid. Does he really want to watch lads running past him? All yeah. This is what I don't understand. This, that looks no fun to me, Stephen. No. Being up the other end and scoring, that, that looks great. No. Doing all this. <laughs> Coming from someone who does that as the peak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, look, doing the la- but, uh, as the lad whose football and aspirations have never been much more than walking around in centre mid and yeah. occasionally getting putting my foot in and playing the odd nice pass. The idea of being actually Stephen Gerrard <laughs> who plays off the front of a great centre forward, that's great. Yeah. And that's what I don't understand. And it's like, and the other thing is you watch Stephen and it's a little bit like he looks like a man who who doesn't know which fire to fight and yeah. can't fight any of them because of it so he's dropping deep and then he tries to get up and support but he's too late to get there for a variety of reasons one is that the quality was poor um, you know so he, it's this balance of well there is this you know under Brendan Rodgers he's played very much as a central midfielder and now you're beginning to you know I think more and more Liverpool supporters are beginning to say maybe it's better if he just does 60 minutes up that end yeah he just does 60 minutes up that. Certainly if Coutinho's out. It might be different when Suarez comes back. We might all think differently because Suarez is there to provide a lot of creativity as well. But it might be better if he just does 60 minutes up that end. But it's like he wants to be involved. What is the situation with Alberto? Because I watched the back end of the under-21 game and he scored a hat-trick, didn't he? Uh, it, it, also in the same game, uh, Raheem Sterling was electric. What, what, what? I mean, I, I don't understand how. Yeah, I can understand the difference in quality. Don't get me wrong, but um, how a player. I mean, watching Sterling in that game and then seeing what he's like. I mean, that first touch sort of epitomised his his time with Liverpool. Say in the last what three to six months. Sterling, I think Sterling. You Sterling before Alberto. I think Sterling is an eighteen-year-old lad who's working out how to be a top footballer, and he is going to work it out. But it's unfair to throw. That said, eighteen-year-old lad on on forty-five. That's the answer. And go sort this. 
It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous yeah. thing to do. Certainly for a player that you spend seven and a half million on in the summer. You know, to go, yeah, come on for him and sort this. And when that player, to be fair to him, not much was coming off for him. And he's another one who's got issues around physical physical aspect to the game. But he was at least trying to play football and get the ball down and keep it. He was at least trying to do that, mm. you know. Um, but I think by that point, the manager felt he had to draft Henderson into the middle. So he pulled Aspas out wide and then he thought, the solution is I'll bring this other lad on who's good on the flanks and go from there. But... Sterling couldn't impose himself on the game at all. That Sterling thing that you're on about is that is that uh, does that originate from the fans or from Rodgers? You think? What do you mean the idea that he's the idea that he's got to come on and affect the game? That, um, that's well, his role. I think that that he's being treated like that, and that's part of the problem. Is yeah. that the lad needs to just go back to having 20 minute cameos when Liverpool are winning? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, he needs to he needs to go back to being an 18 year old footballer, mm. um, and. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's an ego thing for Sterling. I don't believe that. You know, I, I don't think it helps though when you've got you know irresponsible England managers whacking lads in who are like seventeen, yeah. eighteen, off the back of a couple of headlines. Yeah. You know, I don't think that that's this is any way to you know it's it's ridiculous. Despite how well Barkley's played so far this season, that Barkley's in the in the England squad and Gareth Barry isn't. I thought it was ridiculous that he got game time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did. I thought it was ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It's a mad situation, and I think it's something that you know it's time to. You know, it's it's ultimately you've got an under twenty one setup. It exists for a reason, and they can play in that till the twenty three mm. th- these days because the way it loops and it exists for a reason. You don't see Spain whacking random night eighteen year olds into the squad for a laugh. That's, that's the funny thing. Places like Spain go the other way. They they'll put lads who haven't got a game for the first team in their under twenty one setup, and it's great for them. Yeah, because they get they get yeah. game time and the rated, game time confidence booster. The rated as players coming through. Yeah. So you know you know that all that to one side. I think that's been a problem with Sterling. I refuse to believe he's you know he's let things go to his head and he's not putting a stint in really and all that. He might have off days, but he's in 18, he's eighteen. I mean Jesus, when I was eighteen, I could you know I could barely be trusted to write my own name. So you know the idea yeah. that you know, with the, what the onus that we put on these lads is ridiculous. And then but then I'm saying though. Don't do it as the manager. Don't bring him on on, on 45. At least keep it hanging on till 60, you know. And, yeah. and it, but, but I understand, again, that's a thinness in the squad question and all this sort of stuff. It's just a little messy. It just looks off the back of the previous two results. The nature of the performances so far, it just suddenly looks a little messy for Liverpool. There's a little issue around... Well, there's a big issue around this centre-middle legs question. There's a general issue is that they all look knackered by about 80, which makes you wonder about travelling the world and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I haven't got over Australia yet either, yeah. Dave. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's there's questions around that. There's there's questions around little bits of of what's going on in the pitch in pockets. The other side of that, there was that Moses looked really bright for a lad. Yeah. Again, doesn't look fit, hasn't had a proper preseason or game enough game time, but he looks great. Uh, looks like he can cut people apart if, if if given the opportunity. He looks good. Henderson is still, you know, he's proven himself every week. I think in a, in a red shirt, is certainly someone who's prepared to step up when the going gets tough. Um, but. You know, the other side of this is that, you know, you only saw really Henderson and Torrey encouraging, talking to people on Saturday. Mm. Lucas and Gerrard, who were the leaders of that team, because they were playing so poorly themselves, they were on their own back. You know, Gerrard won that wonderful tackle and then tried to feed storage, play a 40-yard ball into his path and completely yeah. overhit it. And he was furious with himself. And I understand why he was furious with himself, but that's, you're the captain, it's going to spread that. And... Again, it sounds like you get on his back because you're not, because he's furious, because he's right to be furious, because he's Stephen Gerrard and he's brilliant. But I just think Stephen, in my head, this sentence, it's a great tackle. 
but I preferred it if someone else won the tackle and then gave it to you 15 yards ahead and you're relaxed. Yeah. You've not just had to win a big 50-50. You've not got the crowd going, go on, Stephen. Yeah. Some, Henderson's just won that and he's just fed you and you're Stephen Gerrard and you can play that pass all day because you're that good. Yeah. And that's my thing. is you're the, you're, You have been in English football the best, and we're not very good at it, the best player to play off a centre forward in the last ten years. It's something English for England English players seem to have struggled with. Rooney can do it, Gerard can do it, and beyond that, there isn't any outstanding mm. candidate since Skulls was in his pump. So there's no one else. That's how good you are. That's what Barkley wants to become. Yeah. And yet now we've not seen that for three years. And that's now a little bit odd. Not even for 10 minutes in a game. Not even for 20 minutes in a game. It'd be nice just to think. And you look at Manchester City and they do it all the time with Yaya. Yaya starts deep. And then last season, on the last couple of seasons on the Mancini, if City got themselves into a bit of bother in a game or it was a tight game, they'd go, you know what we'll do? We'll just bring another centre mid on, take an attack and play it off and tell Yaya to give everything he's got for the next 15 minutes and hopefully he does something because he's that good. Well, mm. Steven Gerrard's better. Not Maybe not now, but Steven Gerrard at his best in that role is better than yeah, Yaya well, Torre. From that point of view, you don't want to say he's a victim of his own success. Then if he, like you say, he's putting, he doesn't know which fire to put out first. Obviously, it's in his head that you know, he's played that role at Liverpool for years, hasn't he? As in, he's been, he's had the ability to do all of those things. Now, when you want him to do one particular role, it, maybe it's his natural tendency to go and wander and thinking, I can sort think that out, I'll sort that out. I think he just wants to play centre mid, Dave. And the managers, I think when the managers come in, you know, the last time Gerard played off a front man was Arsenal at home last season when he started off Suarez and behind him was uh, Alan and Shaheen and Alan and Shaheen got bossed and between them Gerard and Suarez gave the ball away 46 times in 90 minutes between them 24 for Suarez I think and 22 for Gerard. they lost the ball yeah. that many times in a 90 minute game of football when you think how many times often these players get a touch of the ball within 90 minutes that's, that's crazy phenomenal yeah so that's you know that's crazy stats that's the territory of crazy stats and since then you know it almost feels as though a conversation has been had with the manager and he said I want to go back there and the manager's gone understandably young manager coming in mm. And also can see that he's just watched Alan and Shaheen get bossed into the ground. Can go, well, you'd really help yeah. back there. You could win some battles for us. But right now, looking at this Liverpool team with an eye on Sunderland, which we'll talk about after the break, but with an eye on Sunderland at the weekend, I'd rather see everyone doing Gerrard's work than Gerrard toiling away in centre mid, getting shattered, and not being able to contribute to the quality that Liverpool are crying out for to change it and make something yeah. happen. That's what I'd, ra I'd rather see Steven Gerrard doing half as many things, but being able to do them not just better, but literally in an area of the pitch where he can wreak more devastation for the opposition whether that's shooting or providing or going past a man or just simply knowing where to you know what I mean just helping storage yeah. out all of this is fascinating ahead of a game at Old Trafford in the middle of it all as well isn't it well we've got that to talk about because there's the conversation about exactly what's that, what side uh, Liverpool should should put out I think that's a conversation as well for Everton let's talk about rotation yeah. let's talk about all that let's talk about Sunderland let's, uh, let's go to a break Jake and then let's see what happens to the other side <laughs> Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is City Talk 105.9. Um, we're going to talk about Evan going to Fulham first and foremost. Um, he's ringing the changes. The manager, Dave, you said to me in the break, he, he said today he's going to yeah. ring the changes. Gibson's going to be back in. I'm going to I'm going to stick me I'm going to stick my neck out here and say that Everton are much better at football than Fulham. I think Fulham are going to go down. You think they're going to go down? I think Fulham are going to go down, down, oh. down, doobie da down. 
Interestingly, if anyone, I think it's two out of the last 14 games. Yes, uh, Fulham are rubbish. Mm. And Fulham have got the same issue. Obviously, you know, will Fulham... The question, the question on, I'm going to ring the changes, to me is, what's the other fella going to do? Because if he is as well, then yeah. it becomes fascinating. I mean, so you don't know what Martin Yall's going to do, obviously. But Fulham currently look like a side who could do with getting a couple of wins under the belt. They're currently sitting there on four points. Haven't won at home all season. Could go either way. They can either think we need to start winning by hook or by crook. We'll pick a first 11 and hopefully roll yeah. the poor Everton side over. But ultimately, I think Everton will... I think Everton might do to Fulham what Liverpool did to West Brom last season under Rodgers. Yeah, because you'd run the changes that day. We'd run the changes that day, and we went and we played football, proper football away, and she got the, the, the feeling the manager really wanted to play in his ideal world. And then, and we were much better than them, much better. And it wouldn't surprise me if Everton, if Martinez put a side out that he's had under wraps with a few of the younger lads mm. in, and they go and they really impress him and you. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, ringing the changes now to Everton means uh, it's not just, with all due respect, uh, getting an achievement on, getting Giving him 90, it's not that anymore. It's no. actually we're, we're putting some real quality on the pitch. Well, it could be an opportunity to start Lukaku and give him 60 yeah. and swap Jelovic on for him. You've got him, you've got Kone as well. Um, of course, who's around 95% fit. Roberto said today, you've got Dale Lafayou, you know, you've got uh, Gibson to come back in, as I said. But I don't think P9 is going to be fit for this one. Might start Naismith, might not. Yeah, you know, you've got Naismith who might get a game now because he might save McCarthy for the weekend. Yeah. Might start McCarthy. It's totally exciting. Stones, it is. It's exciting for the it's, it's an exciting squad now and um, it's something we've been begging out for for years and all of a sudden it, it, it's all come together for once is uh, is Hibbert fit? no that's great James is, is he doing some fishing? I, I think Hibbert's finished I can't have that sorry not having that mate you've got Coleman if you've not got Coleman I know they see John Stones as long term centre half but I, I reckon John Stones are getting it right back at the Hibbert if they're all fit I can't have that Dave don't don't take Tony off me don't take Tony off anyone um, I can't have that at all I, I, you know what I reckon it'd be tailor made tomorrow for him to captain the side if he was fit but that's all I'm, that's all I reckon he's getting maybe an FA Cup tie Sad times, sad times at Goodison Park. Um, <laughs> sad times indeed. Uh, the fisherman yeah. suddenly finds himself uh, finds himself being used as bait. I don't King know if that works. Carp. King of the carp. Uh, Tony Hibbert himself. Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. I think that, I think that there's more. There's more. and also he can't play. He is allowed to play for other football teams. Yeah, Some say he's finished. No. Finished to me suggested it was a long term injury. He's, he's a career man. From. Tony Hibbert's not going to play for anyone else. I'd, I'd, I'd be deeply if, if Tony Hibbert packs in a thirty-one because Evan will stop <laughs> stop giving him a run. I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> Very disappointed indeed. Um, so that's what you think. So yeah, I mean, yeah, but he's got that sunbed shop to fall back on. Hasn't he? <laughs> he's got all the options in the world. <laughs> sunbed and cod. Um, it's uh, this is that's the Tony Hibbert's the Tony Hibbert's future career, uh, just like Phil Thompson Pine. Um, okay, um, it's it's a strange one. And then at the weekend, it's uh, well, the next Monday actually, we'll be doing the Monday night thing with Evan. It's Newcastle at home. Yeah. Um, which will be, you know, an interesting mark. I win that one six, uh, played six, won three, drawn three, twelve points. Happy days. Yeah, that that that's that. Then no, that is a fantastic start. Um, you know, you said that to me at the start of the season. If you said to me now, that I would have taken what we've what we've got on the board now. Even though the three draws have been against the three sides, expected us to probably win. Mm. Um, with with the other two results coming against sides that probably out of the five you'd say we drop points against you know, it's funny the way it's worked out but if you, if you get Newcastle uh, you beat Newcastle at home which we do, we do owe them one after last season as well because we were robbed at home uh, last minute equaliser and a 
Atibi's goal was disallowed when it was over the line. There'll be no way uh, controversy. I'm just trying to talk and talk and talk here, Neil, while you're dancing around the studio. Just get me out time, Dave. Just get me out time. <laughs> uh, it's not normally a time when I can when I can throw back to you and you're not there. It, it doesn't happen at all. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I did make the universal uh, the universal hand signal there for carry on, Dave. Yeah. But you decided to run run rough shot over yeah. it. I, I just I just think our, our listeners be far more fascinated by what you're actually doing. Um, well, what are Liverpool going to do at Manchester United? I think that this has become a really weird game of football. Liverpool could do with getting back into winning ways. It doesn't look good for Dave. <laughs> it doesn't if he gets beat by Liverpool. I mean, that's the thing. The thing is, suddenly, you know... Who's they got after that? Uh, I, I, think, I think it becomes easier for Dave. Oh, the other side of that. Uh, Dave Moyes, just Moyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it becomes more straightforward. But the point is, they've got the Champions League games coming up as well. Yeah. Uh, where he needs, to keep, he needs to keep the momentum that he's got there. It's really, really strange. You'd have thought United had chopped the cha- chop and change a little bit. Because, like, Zaha's barely played so far. They've got the other lad who looked good the other day. Jean so I think his name was. And he looked like a good player. Yeah. They've got Hernandez. They, you know, United can make a few changes and, and bring quality in. Liverpool, slightly less so. Uh, you know, there's the question marks over Alan. Does he go with Sterling and Ibe? Um, i tell you what, you look at, just going back over from over the weekend, the United game there, I thought it was uh, the most ridiculous substitution of the weekend. He put Cleverly on. When they were 3-0 down, they went 4-0 down. He still put Cleverly on. And Hernandez and Nani are still sitting on the bench. Well, the, the whole point of that was either start him and shore it up from the outset. Yeah. I, I thought that United's team selection was very odd. I wouldn't yeah. have been comfortable going there with, with what was ostensibly 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 um, in, in, in the absence of Van Persie. You know, I think it was... It, I thought it was all very odd, to be yeah. honest with you. But to be fair to him, no, Valencia, who's normally quite decent at tracking back, had an absolute stinker against Kolarov. Kolarov was going on the outside, uh, and equally Navas on, on the other side forever. It just gives them a solid time. Well, I thought that was, I thought that City was spectacularly good. Mm. I mean, that was 40 minutes of fantastic football. They look, they look great, but I think you know it's it's difficult for Liverpool to judge this one. It's odd to say this, but I think that a, a league, this is one of those very few times where, if Liverpool could win, then I think it puts massive pressure on United. I think it puts massive pressure on Moyes, and I think it actually impact could impact on on what United do in the league. Um, I know that mind games are not to be as constantly overrated, but it's not mind games. It's making a manager really begin to second guess himself, who's arguably got the toughest job in world football, mm. following Ferguson. And I think that if you know if Liverpool could go there and get something, um, anything that brings the game but that puts puts United out, then I think he'll come under significant pressure from his own supporters because there's only so much you're prepared to tolerate. They weren't great when they beat Crystal Palace, even against Swansea. They were great in both boxes, and once they got ahead, they were much the better side. But before that point, they weren't fabulous no. there either. And I think that you know there's and the point is as well, they weren't great last season United, but they were able to win the league through the the Ferguson grit and grit and guile. Yep. So I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's it's an odd selection for Liverpool, not least because I now think Sunderland's going to become a much tougher game as decanio has gone as well. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of players there who are going to be feeling the pressure. There's an open letter we've just seen from a Love Supreme, uh, one of the, the Sunderland fanzines. You know, there's going to be a lot of players who are feeling the pressure of the supporters going, well, you got rid of this fella. Your best show is everything you've got now. Yeah, well, it's whether they have... Did, I, I've, I've heard that this afternoon they're not going to have a new gaffer in by then. It will be uh, Kevin Ball who's in charge. Uh, regardless of that, I don't think it really matters when you've got a, a person like the Canio who, by and large, from what we're hearing from all the players this afternoon and since he's left, uh, <laughs> they're absolutely overjoyed that he's gone and they, they recommended that he left. Then, obviously, they're going to be able to prove a point that, well, look, when this lad isn't here, look what we can do. 
exactly and that's my worry is yeah. that Liverpool are going to get a lot of that fact that there's going to be a lot of turning on the pitch there's going to be maybe something horrific from Lee Catamol get your money on Catamol <laughs> Red yeah. ladies and gentlemen there's something there's, there's basically something which could get Lee Catamol in uh, it, get him done under the Geneva, Catamol's having a vindaloo right now under the Geneva, Geneva yeah. conventions he's going to do something that's going to be that horrific yeah. I think against Liverpool I'm in the first 10 I'm just glad Coutinho's injured already <laughs> it could be absolutely horrific for the tiny man um, predictions then I'm going to make you do a prediction for this one what's going to happen are Everton going to uh, beat Fulham yeah I think we will I think 2-0 I think Liverpool and Manchester United are going to have the nuclear option that neither side wants and it's going to go to extra time um, and I'm going to get home approximately at 3am or something even though it's only to Manchester yeah. um, this has been all in the game um, I'm, I'm not going any further than extra time by the way but imagine winning winning through penalties um, this has been all in the game Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey see you next week it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.